Good morning. Welcome to Morning Matters at 10. My name is Paul Meyer. Happy New Year. Uh, we're going to be talking about assumptions of naturalism and the age of the earth. It doesn't really matter if the earth is old or young. It doesn't really matter if the Bible teaches in a, a literal six-day creation. I was talking to a friend yesterday, and his, in, his daughter-in-law is, uh, is going through a thing called deconstruction. Now, many of you may have never heard of this, but it's a huge thing happening in the church today. You hear of you know, Christian leaders, strong, running, you know, thousand, two thousand member congregations who've left the faith and, and, and individuals and worship leaders who've left the faith. And, and there's this process that's going on, which is very, it's a very serious process and it's a very concerning process. And as I was talking to my friend yesterday, I realized in a, maybe a more clear way that the ideas behind this deconstruction, the walking away from the faith, have been things that I've been really struggling, not personally struggling with, but fighting my whole life. The whole 60s and everything that took place in the 60s, rejection of the Bible, the rejection of the sexual ethic that changed in our society. As we near the end of this era, um, we're going to see this happening more and more. And I wanted to read to you from, from uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 about the apostasy. Concern, you know, when people quote unquote question their faith, that's not a bad thing, but it's really a question of how you can re you question your faith and what really is the basis for your faith in the first place. Many people question their faith because they don't really understand the faith. Many, many more, and I think maybe most, really never had a faith. They had a they made decisions about it, but they never really fully understood what it means to be a Christian, what it mean, what repentance is and sin and the recognition of who God is and, and all of these things. There's not a clear teaching of what it means to be a Christian in many churches. So I think those things are under our root causes. The real root cause has to do with the heart. You know, there's things they say, well, it's all the abusive. Churches have been so abusive, they're legalistic. Well, I grew up in extreme legalism. I mean, you know, not my parents so much, but the groups who were in. I was, I was a senior in college, and I got written up by the dean of students because the mustache hairs on my my mustache hairs had grown below the corners of my lips. I literally got written up for that. Now that's legalism. That's a, untenable. It's ridiculous. It's unbiblical in every way. But the point of it was, it didn't cause me to leave my faith. But I have questioned my faith. I had to go through my own coming to my own faith. But the difference is, is who do you listening to when you go through that? Who are you talking to? What are the things that are actually influencing you? And, you know, people need to understand that there's forces out there. There's beliefs out there that are going to cause you to question your faith and to leave the faith. That's one of the things the enemy wants to do very much. Now, is the faith solid? To me, it's solid. I've spent my life studying these things. I mean, I literally, I wrote a book on evolution and creationism, and I covered in that so many different philosophies that literally rule the world, the world process. And these things are subtle. They're deceptive. They're undermining. Uh, so many people feel out of touch with the world, you know, like in the sense of, well, I mean, you know, everybody else is gay is okay. Homosexuality is okay. Well, how can you say it's not? And so we have this entire movement of accepting of homosexuality in the Christian community. Now, I'm not saying we have to hate homosexuals at all. We should never hate them. We should love them. We should care for them. We should do whatever we can to reach them with the gospel. But we can't change what the Bible says to accommodate them. We can't change the book to accommodate and that's the real problem. That's the underlying problem of this is that 
do we really believe the book itself, really believe it? Or do we have our own questions and, and, and we compromise to kind of not really deal with the deep issues, the things that are going on underneath? So let me read this passage and then we'll talk about how this all fits with the assumptions of naturalism. <clears throat> now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, this is Second Thessalonians chapter 2, and are being gathered together to him, we ask you, brothers, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed, either by, spirit, by a spirit or a spoken word or a letter, seeming to be from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Now, this is first century, and Paul's teaching about the day of the Lord. I believe it's the 70th week of Daniel, the end of the age. It's the time when uh, the Antichrist will come to power, and, and you know all of the things that have been prophesied in the Scriptures for millennium are going to come to pass. He said, let no one deceive you in any way for that day will not come unless the apostasy, the falling away, the rebellion comes first. This is a key thing. The rebellion comes first. The man of lawlessness then, and the man of lawlessness is revealed the son of destruction who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. Do you not remember that when I was with you, I told you these things? And you know what is restraining him now so that he may be revealed in his time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains it will do so until he is out of the way. And when the, then the lawless one will be revealed who the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders, with all wicked deception for those who are perishing because they refuse to love the truth and be saved. Therefore God sends them a strong delusion so that they may believe what is false, in order that they may be condemned, who do not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Now, there's so many things to this. There's so many aspects of this. But the idea we need to, under, we need to grasp is lawlessness. Everything is lawless. The lawlessness of the world today is huge. The undermining of fundamental principles of life male and female, biology, the undermining of that, the undermining of the masculine, the destruction of the masculine is one of the worst things that we see in the world today. And most people don't even fully recognize it. You know, the sexual immorality that, that exists. And there's just so many things that are taking place. And then the lawlessness in government, which has always been there, but it's, it's being revealed. We can see it. All of the things, all the divisions, all the confusions, it's this, people says this, the lies that are spread, it's astounding and people are lost. And many people, unfortunately, are losing their faith. And I believe it really has to do with, with the scriptures. I'm a young earth creationist. I've made that clear in many of my teachings. I believe the Bible clearly teaches that the earth is not billions of years old. I believe the Bible teaches that. Now, has science proven something else? Well, that's a different question. But I believe the Bible clearly teaches that. The biggest problem of the assumptions of the age of the earth and the lie that was told by Lyle and Hutton, which we discussed the last time, the biggest problems is what it does to Bible interpretation. Because you do not, just because you read the Bible does not mean that what you, or you believe that Bible doesn't mean that what you're saying about it is true. And there is a process of understanding the Bible that is very clear and it's very well understood how you get to truth. But that has changed because of the assumptions, first of all, of naturalism. This is where it all began. It was 400, uh, maybe 400 years ago. 
Yeah, with Galileo and Copernicus, it's 500 now. Anyway, the, that whole process, and we talked about that last time, that how science began with this with strong believers who believed in the Bible fully, who believed in, in young earth. They believed in, it wasn't a new concept. <laughs> they believed in the young earth. They discussed these things. They believed the global flood was real. They had all of these things. And then the event with Copernicus and Galileo took place and the church got embarrassed. The church scientists, the leaders, it got embarrassed and they began to be very pro-science. And so if science said something, then the Bible said something differently. Well, they would side with science. And that gradually undermined the faith of many, many people. That's why all of your Harvard and Yale and Princeton, all of these once strong Christian schools, this is where deconstruction, their leaving of the faith began science versus creationism. That's where it begins. That's where this thing started. Why does this matter? I think it matters because if we don't find the truth, if we can't understand the truth, if you can't define truth and say this is real, if there are no absolutes, then nothing ever makes sense. And you literally are just tossed about by every wind of doctrine, every belief, everything that anybody says. And it doesn't matter whether it's a church leader or a church pastor. You have strong church pastors and leaders who have completely abandoned the faith. They had huge congregations. They had everything they needed, but they still abandoned the faith. Why? Because they didn't understand the faith. They didn't understand the scriptures. They didn't hold to the truth of the scriptures. We must get back to the book. And I don't care if people like what I'm saying or agree with me or think I'm an idiot or whatever. I've spent my life, literally most of my life studying, at least 50 years of my life studying creationism and evolution and having hundreds of conversations. But it's not just about that. It's relativism. It's sexual immorality. All of the things that are, are, have become commonplace in our society, you know, divorce, the, the divorce rate, the destruction of the family, you know, the redefinition of the family, redefinition of biology, all of these things, literally these, what we see today is we see the fruit that came from Darwinism. And now we live it out. Now we see it all around us and we see so many people losing their faith. So when I talk to you about this, I'm not, you know, and people don't like how I talk either because they don't, you can't be, you can't be certain, right? You can't say this is true. We don't do that. We go, well, it'd be nice to say, well, this is kind of my opinion. I think this might be true. It could be something else, but maybe it's true. Uh, look, at, I only say things that I believe because I know they're true, because I've spent my time. I already did the work. I went through my deconstruction, and my job is to communicate to people the best that I can what the book actually says. Okay? What does it actually teach? And you cannot avoid the fact that there was an intentional lie, an intentional deception brought about by Charles Lyell and James Hutton and really Darwin. <clears throat> Darwin, who was an evolutionist before he did his voyage, his dad had already, his father had already written a book on the, or about the species. He already had the belief system. He already had these fundamental undermining principles in place before he did everything he did about evolution. It's, all, it's the same thing with liberal scholarship. All of it is based on the assumption that the Bible is not the Word of God, based on these assumptions about the Word of God, and that it's not true. And so then they come and they act as they're smart and intelligent, and they give you this whole new philosophy, and people go, well, sounds good to me. It's like if you—that's why most pastors won't address this topic, because they really don't understand it. They haven't really investigated it themselves. Or they've come to the conclusion, well, it's just too divisive. Look, the book is, is going to be divisive. Jesus said he came to divide brother from uh, brother and sister from sister, mother from daughter, daughter from son. He came to divide, not 
trying to divide, but because truth divides. Look at the truth is the truth is the truth. And if we reject the truth on any re- at any reason at any point to get along or to go along, it, we're missing. We can't do that. We have to walk the path that God called us to walk. And the scriptures are the foundation for everything we believe in Christianity. And when you start questioning whether they are the word of God, and I'm not saying you can't go through the question, go through the process, examine it. If you want, I'll help you go through it because I can show you what I found when you look. But I'm telling you, it's true. The book is true. The book is authentic. There's so much things about it that are trustworthy. But when we start doubting that and we question that, and then we never come back to real faith, we never come back to a firm affirmation. So Peter said this, basically Peter prophesied in the last days, scoffers would come, scoffing, following their own evil desires. They would say, where is the promise of his coming? Ever since our father's died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. But they deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, the heavens existed and the earth was formed out of water and by water. By the same water, the world of that day was deluged and destroyed. Five things Peter prophesied about are number one, uniformity. And that is the idea that all geological processes have always been the same. Now you'll get Hugh Ross and they go, oh, he wasn't talking about uniformity. He absolutely was. Everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. So he's going back to the beginning of creation. He's saying everything has been the same. The processes have always been the same. Radiometric dating decays at this rate. It's always happened the whole way. That's, we come, that's how we come to the conclusions we do about the age of the earth. Radiometric day has always been the same rate. Erosion and uplift has always been the same. The movement of the plate tectonics. Again, I used that illustration last time. We know the plate tectonics move. They move about an eighth of a year, an eighth of an inch a year. They assume it's always been that way. That's uniformity. Those are all assumptions. They're speculations. I'm not saying they didn't observe the plates movement. I'm not saying that they they don't observe radiometric dating. I'm not saying they didn't observe erosion and uplift. The assumption was how long it had been going on. And they don't know that. And it's all an assumption. And radiometric dating is its own assumption. We'll get to that in a minute. Secondly is the idea of naturalism. This is a belief that there is no supernatural involvement with the process of creation. Darwin, none of these guys claimed to be atheists, but they were practical atheists. Basically, they said, God is not to be considered in the process of understanding the creative process. In other words, we have to only look at us as what we can observe. Well, that's ridiculous because you can't observe the beginning. You don't know what happened in the beginning. You don't know how it took place. Everything is a speculation. And it's not just a speculation. It's not just that we have to be scientific and observe that which we can see. It's it's broader than that. The naturalism is greater than that. The naturalism is the overriding thought process which says, I have to be able to figure this out from a natural perspective. I have to be able to figure that out only from this way. But that's not possible. Because we're dealing with a supernatural creation in the beginning. How did matter come into existence? And even if you consider the Big Bang, the process, that is a miracle in and of itself. It's an incredible process for that to all happen. I think the Big Bang is nonsense. I don't think it's true at all. I mean, there might have been some explosion of light or something, but not what they're saying. It, it, it's not what happened. God created it out of nothing. He spoke it into existence. And he didn't do it out of fire and brimstone and lava flows. The earth wasn't hot for millions of years and then cooled. It's not what he said. He did it out of water and by water. So he created it with water from the very beginning. The only way I can explain it, it has to be natural, a natural process. That's why they refuse. They consider any idea of creation nonsense to them. 
because they've literally locked their eyes on this one thing and they can't see, they literally see the tree. They see no forest at all. They see one thing and they can't get around it. And of course, the opposite of the naturalism is the anti-supernaturalism. Peter said they deliberately reject the existence of anything supernatural. Again, they may believe in a creator. They don't believe the creator had anything to do with the processes of creation. He might have started something, but no, he didn't have anything to do with it. Then finally, the fourth thing is anti-catastrophism. This is a rejection of the global flood. This was very specific. It was very intentional. Initially, all catastrophes were rejected. There were no catastrophes. So the question is, despite the clear deception bias and faulty assumptions of Hutton and Lyle, is the Earth billions of years old? Has science proven without a doubt that the Earth and universe were formed in deep time? If it is a fact, then rationalizing and reading deep time into the biblical text, biblical text may be the only option left. Okay? In other words, if it's true, the earth really is billions of years old, then what do you do? Well, how do you get around the Bible? Well, then you say, well, it's all mystical, and it was all, it was all a story, or there were millions of years here and millions of theirs there. You end up twisting the scriptures. You end up taking and having all of these gyrated positions to try to make it fit with evolution. Well, I don't believe science has proven that at all. I think it's, I think it's not a fact. In fact, I would tell you, well, as a fact, the earth is young. I'm just going to tell you that. And there's lots of evidence for it. I'm not going through all of that. I'm not a scientist. But there are hundreds of videos you can watch on YouTube. There are books that you can read. There's lots of young earth creationists, scientists, high-level degrees from lots of universities, as there has always been creation scientists. They, they countered the ages of the earth, wrote books in the time that, they, that Lyell and Hutton were writing. So this has been fought for a long time, but it doesn't get the media attention, and it's not, because the enemy wants to deceive you. And he's deceived you, and he's, if you believe in an old earth, you're deceived at some level. And you believe, you know, you don't understand the scriptures and we'll go next time. The next thing we do is we're going to say why we, I'm going to teach you why the teacher, uh, why the scriptures teach the earth is young. That's a whole nother teaching, but I'm trying to address this underlying thing first. So I'm convinced without any question after years of study, I've read so many things on this and looked at both sides. <clears throat> I believe the earth is young and I don't think they proved it. Of course, we start with the Bible. Christians believe in the inspiration of the scriptures, that the Bible is the word of God and true in all that it says. Do you believe that? If you question that, then you're on the process, on the wrong process of deconstruction. Now, I'm not saying you can't oh, just blindly believe. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying then examine the evidence. But look at the evidence. And don't just listen to your college professor or your friend who seems so smart, but he really questions faith, you know. He says, I don't this doesn't make sense. And so he has little questions and little doubts, and they sneak in and they create problems. <clears throat> So um, we must, eventually we're going to have to reconcile science and faith. So let me say, let, let me lay out several reasons to reject the con conventional worldview, or at the very least, show that their assumptions are not facts, but simply their opinions. Consider the following. The goal of science in an, any investigation is observation of possible conclusions. So let's think about Hutton and Lyell. Hutton observed a process of erosion and lift. I don't think anybody doubts that that there's erosion happening. It's tiny, but if a water runs over a hard rock over a period of time, it will have some erosion. He recognized this process, small percentage each year, but assumed the longevity of the process. So he observed scientifically that there was erosion, and then the mountains uplifted a little bit. But he didn't have any evidence that it took millions of years. That was an assumption. He assumed that because he had already rejected a young earth. And this is specifically in the literature. So they came up with an idea to undermine the Bible. 
But there wasn't proof. There is still no proof that it took all that time. You can't prove that. You cannot prove that it took millions of years for that mountain range to rise. You can't. It's not a fact. It is purely a speculation on the part of these scientists. They're speculating it. That was his intention. He says, well, so he makes this assumption. It's the same assumption that Darwin makes. He sees all of the similarity of design in animals. Say, well, okay, well, this one came, this was first, this came next. So he assumes that everything came from everything. But that's, that's, that's an assumption as well. Common DNA, similarity of design, does not prove evolution. It does not prove that the natural selection process, that these things develop one to the other. What it actually proves is there is one creator. And he used the same processes. So the difference between a, this animal and that animal is what? Well, the DNA structure is different. But it's still DNA structure. Everything. All living things have this DNA structure. There's not two DNA structures. There's one. I think it proves God's existence, but a rock in the middle of nowhere proves God's existence because it had to come from somewhere. Couldn't bring itself into existence. But this creates, proves the intelligence of God and that he is the one true creator. Hutton's observed process and assumptions blinded him from seeing that there's another possibility. The same is true with Darwin. But this was early rapid deposition, right? That the flood rapidly wiped everything out and spread it all over the world. And we have, I mean, there's so much evidence of that. There's a great video, is, is Genesis History? You should watch. If you really want, you want to examine something, examine that. Go watch that video. And everything that they do, all the videos, they have probably 50 or 60 of them, is Genesis History. It's worth doing. But early rapid deposition and lift and the gradual slowing of the process unleashed by a global flood. Now, I think the obvious thing is that it's that provides a clear understanding of, of the Grand Canyon. The, the idea that the Colorado River did that is ridiculous. The Colorado River would have had been two miles wide at some point. It would have had to been a massive flood that washed all of this stuff out. Something that couldn't be a little river that did that. It's nonsense. If, Han, if Hutton was an honest scientist without an agenda, he would have presented all the possible options for the erosion and lift, including the possibility of a global flood and the rapid deposition of rock layers on the earth. The stated intention of Lyle began with an agenda to overturn the widely accepted biblical model of creation. Because of the fear of being embarrassed by science again, believing scientists jumped at the chance to support new scientific facts. In fact, it was Christians who developed the, who came up with the idea of the geologic column. Oh, this proves, look, we got these, these animals here. Then this next layer, these, well, they developed there. This was the early development. This was the second development, third development, right? Then you have big animals, you know, in this Cambrian explosion, whatever it is. But it's just nonsense. That's just one possible way of looking at it. It doesn't make that a fact. That's not a scientific fact at all. A better explanation is that the immovable things buried first. They would have been buried first. And then you have the progression of life, the complexity of life. They were able to get away. They were able to move. They got caught. You know, animals that could move would have been at the last. They would have been the very top, right? Because they could move. And you find, you find tracks, dinosaur tracks, literally fossilized dinosaur tracks around the world. And they're always going uphill because they're running from the floodwaters. They're getting away from things. They're trying to get away. And you get these mass burial sites where they get caught. Finally, the flood just wipes them out. It's the assumptions of the, of the geologic column are just that. They're not facts. 
It's not a fact. It is an assumption. When you begin with an unproven assumption and reach absolute conclusions, you're no longer engaged in science, but speculation. If you start with an anti-supernatural, anti-catastrophic uniformity bias, you will misread the information in your beliefs and research is tainted. So the very foundation of an old earth that was brought about by Lyell and Hutton is a, a deception. It's a biased interpretation of data. Just simply, you cannot, I mean, even if radiometric is entirely true, you cannot prove slow erosion and uplift as a cause for the universe or a cause for the geology of the earth. You can't prove it. It's an assumption. Now, again, it might be right. I don't think it is, but it's an assumption. It's not a fact. We have to stop treating this stuff as facts. The old earth model is based on numerous speculative dating techniques. There are four flawed problems and unprovable assumptions. Okay, and radiometric dating is, um, is the hardest thing. So it's almost like Hutton and Lyle came up with this idea. Well, let's th- I think the earth is old. Oh, yeah, I think it is too because I see these things. So they become, they become the wise right? Pastors and religious leaders and other scientists who disagree with them are, are fools and idiots who live in the past and don't really, they're not considered true scientists. They're not considered that. Their, their views aren't because, again, it's just what the media does. The media back then and the media today does the same thing, promotes liberal ideas to, totally and ignores the other, other views. So they based everything on these assumptions. So let me give you just a little bit of what radiometric dating is. Uh, basically, uranium-238 decays to lead at a presently known rate. Now, when I say presently known rate, we've been doing this a little over 100 years. We've been measuring things a little over 100 years. So the rate right now might be that. Okay, and maybe that's correct. But 150 years or 200 years, we don't know. We can't go back again. We assume. When you assume, they makes a fool. What, what's an assumption? Remember that old saying? I won't say it there, but what does it do about to you and me? You know, you make these assumptions. So what they assume then is that when they find uranium and they find lead near it, they assume that this rate, that the decay that took place has always been this way, right? It has always happened at the same speed, at the same process. Uh, Mother Adams are the original 238 that decayed to daughter atoms lead. So they find a certain amount of lead. They assume that it took this long for that process to happen. But we don't know that. You just don't know that. It's, it's not, a, again, it's an assumption. It's an unprovable assumption. Because you would have to observe from the very beginning, the first time that uranium, that U-238 was there, you'd have to observe it for the entire process to be able to say, for a fact, you'd have to observe every part of it. As say as a fact, it's this old. Then you could say that you're assuming things to make the decision that it's that old. What if there were other? What if there were lead? Was lead there in the first process? Maybe there was lead in in the lava flow. What if there's already lead, and so you had lead there, and then you start trying to count the daughter and mother elements, and it doesn't fit. You don't know. What if the speed is different? We don't know that. It's kind of like this. It's like this is the idea. Let's say we're going to do a test of calcium loss in women between the ages of 12 and 80, right? That's our test. And we're going to examine that. We examine their blood for calcium and all the things that we do to find out how much calcium they've lost. And our only test subjects are 80-year-old women. Would you call that a scientific experiment? 
It's not a scientific experiment. It's pure speculation. Because you don't know how much lead was there. You don't know how much calcium was there in the first place. You don't know why this person lost more calcium here. This person here. You don't know the rate of anything. You don't know what might have happened. You don't know what stress might affect. You don't know other factors that may come into play that lead you to a conclusion you can't prove. You just don't know. So the second point of this is we don't, the known factors in a decay, decay process. <clears throat> what factors cause decay? We don't know. We know it happens, but is there things that affect it? Do we know the process is unaffected by outside influences? All right. What is, what is a massive flood and all this stuff happening at one time? How does that affect it? What other contaminants have come in? Can the decay process, can the decay process change speed? Or is it always the same? No, we're confident. We believe that. I don't care if you're confident or not. It's still speculation. It's not a fact. You're speculating as to the speed and the decay for how many millions of years. You have no proof of it. It is speculation. Discordant dates. This is a huge problem. There are many different ways to date, <clears throat> uh, different kinds of dating processes. Radiometric, strontium, strontium. St uh, strontium argon, uh, there's different ones. All of these have a different, and, and the, the people have done tests on it, and they have one that says, oh, it's, I'm just using this as an example. The ones say, oh, it took a billion years here, and over here, over here it took, or maybe 100 million, here it took 500 million. This one took a, um, almost a billion. This one, and they taste the, test the same rock, and they get all of these different dates. You say, but they're all so high, so you can't, you know, you, that, doesn't that prove that things are really old? Not necessarily, because if you don't have, it, you know, if you don't have the same rate. So in other words, if we do um, strontium argon and radiometric dating on the same rock, we should come up with the same results, right? They should be the same. They shouldn't have any difference. So how do you, which one do you trust? Maybe you trust none of them. Maybe there's other things going on that you just don't know. I believe the day will come when science will go, oh, we kind of screwed this up. They'll, I think God will show the world exactly what's wrong with this. And it, will, it will come. It hasn't come yet, but it doesn't matter. It's still speculation. You're still speculating. You haven't proven anything as a fact. <clears throat> yeah, again, the unknown, I've already said some of these, the unknown original commission, commission, condition, what elements are found naturally in lava. Um, so we have, we have these processes. We don't, we don't know for a fact. We assume that these things, there's evidence that's not there. We don't know. And so we assume that it's old, right? But the age of an earth creates just tons of problems. And from a biblical worldview, it, changed, it chases even more problems. It just, it's not possible. I mean, just give you one verse. Jesus said that Adam was there from the beginning of creation. So how could Adam be there from the beginning of creation if it happened 4.5 billion years before, before Adam was, was made? You can't make that fit. You, you know, you can twist it if you want, but it's a pretty clear statement to me. In rejecting the relationship, any relationship between supernatural creator and creation, they have limited the understand, their understanding entirely to a natural process. While this may sound reasonable, you, because you cannot, but because you cannot investigate the origins of creation, we can only speculate as to the actual cause of the supernatural creation of the world. And that is the same for me. I, I can't prove to you scientifically how the earth was created. Now, there, there may be scientists out there that can, but I tell you, I watch the videos, I listen to this guy, I listen to that guy, I read the books, and it's like, 
everybody's got an opinion. Everybody's got a belief, right? And everybody starts from a supposition. So the question is, what is the supposition you're starting with? If you're starting with the supposition that there is no God or that God had nothing to do with this and that science is going to be right, whatever it says, well, then you're going to begin to question the Bible. My thing is that, look, at having, having, having watched so much stuff, I think it's very clear. I, I think the evidence for a young earth is very clear. I think the evidence for the, for the uh, worldwide flood is even more clear. I think it's absolute. I, I, don't, I don't think you can get around it. There are many reasons for that, which I'll maybe go on to sometime, but it gets really technical. I'm not a technical person that way. All I'm doing is reading the material and importing what it says and pointing out the, the, you know, the uh, assumptions that people are making. So, I mean, there's, there's so much here. Um, we cannot know the original condition. We can't know the condition of the original creation. We don't know what happened in the original creation. Exactly. We don't know exactly what the earth was like then including elements that would demonstrate the initial age of other elements found in the rocks and systems on the earth. There could have already been age built into things. We don't know. Which is older, the lava under the crust or the lava that has flowed out of the ground? Well, you say the idea is the radiometric dating, but, but we don't really know how that works. I mean, you're, you're taking... I mean, it's, it's kind of like this. When you say we got 4.5 billion years of earth history, and then we have this speck of time, really most that we know, I mean, that we can actually demonstrate, if you believe that, you could say there's 10 to 12,000 years of human history. Other than, you know, saying that Neanderthal lived this time and all of that. But just what we actually know, written history, human history, how long has man been around? You know, I mean, you, you're, you, and so you, you take and you put this huge, everything builds on this massive amount of time. And then all of a sudden everything happens. It doesn't make any sense. I don't think it's true. I don't think it's right. <clears throat> Basically, everything was created at the same time, according to the Big Bang, right? It was all there. It all expanded and all these things happened, but it was all there from the very beginning. The age of the earth, I'm going to say this, the age of the earth is unknown. Science cannot dogmatically prove the earth is old or creationism can prove that it's young. There's evidence for both. How you look at the evidence, your underlying assumptions, will greatly influence, influence the way you view this evidence. There are two ways to see the evidence, and each side has arguments to support their position. So what I'm saying to you is this. Look, I've looked at it all. I believe the evidence, it's like the existence of God. How do we know God is? Can I prove God exists to you? No, but I think the overwhelming evidence for this evidence is that there is a creator. Again, I went, did this before, but the existence of matter to me proves there's a creator. Because matter is not living. Matter did not cause itself. And it's not the complexity of matter that proves that. That's, that proves what God is like. But the existence of matter proves that there's a creator, whatever he's like. If all I could do is make rocks and that's all we had, well, we'd have a universe full of rocks that were made by a creator. But when we have a universe full of, you know, or an earth full of millions of living things and you have complexity all over, then you say, well, God, maybe the creator is pretty smart. But just the existence of a rock floating around in space, the existence of space is because somebody made it. Something had to make that. So there, there are two ways to see all of this. So I want you to come down to this. Look at you, you may still think that the earth is low, but I would challenge you to really examine the evidence. And I'm, again, I'm going to say, watch his Genesis history, some of their, their videos, read some books uh, from people that everybody just mocks. They've mocked them for, for decades. 
Creation scientists are true scientists who understand many, many things. Do they know understand everything? Are they right about everything? No, I don't necessarily think so, but, I, but they're right about a lot of it. They may be right about it all. What we do know is this, and this is what we'll get into next week, is that the Bible teaches a young earth. God, the creator, is the only witness to the creation. And he says he did it in six solar days. If you believe the Bible is the word of God and true, then all that it says, then we must start with that assumption. God said he did it in six days. So now science says, oh, no, it took all this time. Well, there's no proof. If there's no proof, then I'm not going to buy science. There's no absolute proof. You know, even with radiometric dating, it's hilarious because they go, well, we can't really trust all the rocks on the earth. So they find a rock that float around in space and say, oh, space rocks tell us and they'll test those rocks. Right. To, for radiometric dating, but they don't know the history of those space rocks any more than anything else. They don't know how the process fully works. They have a, an inkling. What they do is they see a tiny piece of it, of the, of the puzzle, and they conjecture the rest of it. We know there's a creator that is the cause for the universe and all living things. How he created the universe is beyond the scope of human history or knowledge, other than God's testimony, other than God writing it down and telling us how he did it. And I'll tell you this, you say, well, no, we can, you know, you can argue about Genesis back and forth. Yeah, but you can't argue about Exodus chapter 20. Written by the very hand of God, it says in Exodus 20, these are the very words of God. And he says, for in six days he made the earth, the sun, the moon, the earth, and everything that was in it. And on the seventh day he rested, creating the Sabbath. He said, that's why you have the Sabbath. It wasn't a period of time, it was the Sabbath. So basically, he says, I did it. He literally wrote it with his finger on a rock and gave it to Moses. Now, if you don't believe in the supernatural, you're going to mock that as well. But again, that's your assumption. And that assumption will leave you to eternal separation from God. You can't, if you reject the supernatural, then you're rejecting the creator and you believe in only a natural explanation for the world. You have no explanation for sin. You have no explanation for morality. You have no explanation for, for value, meaning, or purpose. There's none apart from a creator. We cannot know the exact age of the earth. We all speculate about it. I speculate based on what the book says, first of all. And then what scientists come along and say, hey, yeah, I think they're wrong. And they show you things that go, I mean, like helium in, in rocks. Radiometric says it's millions of years old, but they test the helium in that rock and it says it's 6,000 years old. Well, science isn't going to tell you that. But creation scientists did it and they tested it. You say, well, I don't believe them. Okay, well, don't believe them. That's fine. But you don't believe in the supernatural anyway. So if you don't get to the point where you believe in God, if you haven't come to the point where you believe in God, you're not going to really find the Bible all that credible. And you're not going to find miracles all that credible. But you can't, your life is going to be lost to you. And you're going to misunderstand the whole purpose of your, your existence if you don't believe in, in God. It's what you were made was to know Him. Not to know the church, not to be religious although that's going to church part of it, but or you actually don't go to church or be part of the church. You're part of the congregation of Jesus. But the point of it is, is that's why you were made. And you'll never know it. The irony of all of this is across Europe, young earth creationism is surging. <laughs> Scientific America, I read this article a few weeks ago, entitled Creationism Invades Europe. The author benowns the growth of creationism across Europe. He does all he can to mock believers and minimizes, minimize its growth and influence in the article, but he ends up pleading for evolutions to defend their position using any means necessary. <laughs> I mean, literally, it's the most hilarious article I've ever read. 
People are beginning to come back to God and to believe in God. And if you don't believe in God, you're just wrong. I'm sorry. The Bible says the fool has said in his heart, there's no God. Why? Because you're not, you're foolish. You're not looking at the facts. You're not looking at it right. But here we have this scientific journal after, what, 150 years of which every article and intention of every scientist has been to disprove the Bible, to disprove creationism, and to prove every every grade school, every junior high, every high school, every college in the world teaches, I mean, except for a few uh, Christian uh, institutions, but they all teach evolution and the age of the earth. They've been teaching it for centuries or for decades. And we got to do more. We got to teach it better. Well, maybe it doesn't work because it doesn't really answer all the questions. And it doesn't answer all the questions. (laughs) So I'm just going to say to you, look at When you start with wrong assumptions, you're going to reach wrong conclusions. And that is exactly what's happened with the age of the earth in this lie and its deep impact on the earth. And I believe it's fundamental, fundamental to the deconstruction of people's faith. It's evolution and creationism is the first domino to fall. And then homosexuality, sexual immorality, um, doubting the Bible, you know, all of the higher criticism, the belief systems of, of the woke world is a fruit of anti-creationism. And we see it face right in our face, right here. Look at if you're if you're woke, if you're a young old earth creationist, I'm not mad at you. I don't you're not my enemy. <laughs> I don't hate you. I don't hate scientists. I love science. I think science is great. Science has given us so many things. Thanks to Faraday and, and Newton. We have just amazing things that we can do today. And others who've come along and worked in their path. But what science says about the age of the earth and what science says about creationism is a lie. I speak it in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. I'm telling you, Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus of Nazareth who came in the flesh. And I say to you, the earth is that what evolution and longer older science is saying is a lie. And I break the power of that in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And I say, Jesus, let your word and let your truth and let your power come forth. Speak to your people. Call them out. Bring them back to truth. Open their eyes. Bring unity and wholeness to the body of Christ. May the word of God take its place again. May the power of the Holy Spirit fill us and use us each day, Lord. We surrender to you. I just Even now, Lord, we just say, Lord, fill us. Use us today. Open people's eyes to who you are. We thank you for what you're doing. And we thank you for all the things going on, all the confusion, all the doubt. We say, Lord, bring your truth out. And we say this in the name of Jesus of Nazareth who came in the flesh.